again to the Collapsing Pocket Podcast brought to you by Royal Flush Designs. My name is Rob Ward, your old mate Wardy, and I am joined as ever by the Lancashire Bomber, Mr. Simon Carroll. Hello, mate. And the Yorkshire Terrier, Mr. Sam Acroyd. Howdy. Now, Sam, you may or may not have heard there's a little thing called the Super Bowl happening this Sunday, and you have been tasked with organising the, the, the get-together, the annual piss-up get-together, wings and beer and football, me, you, Cy, and some of our friends from our fantasy league. Uh, and uh, I assume that's all been taken care of, and I, I can turn up on Sunday to the Brotherhood, knowing a nice big table of eight has been booked, and we don't have to worry, because it's been sorted, hasn't it, mate? Uh, no. So table of eight, that's the first thing we need to ascertain if that's the case. Uh, well, that's certainly an option. I've got a plan. The plan B is our traditional spot anyway. <laughs> so he's done plan B before plan A. Sounds like Boris, this. Yeah. That's, that's, that's about right. Yeah, uh, have you checked the plan? Need, yeah, I just need to uh, put the... Put the it's a weird old website, the Brotherhood. You don't just book a table. You, just, you request a table and then they'll get back oh. to you or something. Oh, right. So you some numbers. I probably need to find the time as well. Yeah, and you know what, mate? The, the, the longer you leave it, the more likelihood you're going to get get getting that table, aren't you? Probably. So you know this tactic of yeah, never true. actually doing yeah. it, it's probably going to work out fine. Realistically, how many how many uh, football NFL fans are there in Manchester? Probably well, not that many. Just put just get a table for fifteen. Job done. So so plan B is in full swing now. Have you even checked that that, that is an option? Yes. That is. I was, I was I was there on Friday night. They've got all sorts of stuff going on. There's a quiz. There's an NFL quiz if we go to Plan B. Oh. So that uh, and a, a bottomless wings ninety minutes. If you book it early, you can get a bottomless wings for ninety minutes as well. So it's not a bad Plan B. Oh, do you know what? You you may have swung it on on the quiz and, and oh, the bottomless. Fuck wings. a quiz, man! I'm not there to do a quiz. Um, <laughs> you know how easily I'm swayed on these things, sir. Si. Notoriously fickle. <laughs> Are you, you're, you're, you're promising me promising me an NFL quiz tonight, aren't you? On uh, who on earth all these new head coaches are. Right. I'll, I'll crease it as we go. How about that? <laughs> see how I'm getting on. See, see where my knowledge lies after another season <laughs> immersed in the game. Excellent, excellent. Well, we have. Well, we've been a couple of weeks away, and it's all been going on, hasn't it, folks? So. We've got um, to catch up on a few things that have been taking place over this past week. We want to talk uh, about a certain retirement, which you may have heard of the fellas, Sammy. He, he, he played okay for a couple of years. So we'll talk about that. We will talk about the situation that is developing with Brian Flores and what a what a story that's turning into. Um, we've got a lot, I mean, a space of head coaches. It all seems to happen, doesn't it, at once in the NFL. 
uh, around this time of year. So in the past week, we've seen got at least six, seven of them. We found them. We'll just go through them. And then we'll talk about that game that's happening this Sunday night in Inglewood. Uh, Sam, that, of course, being the Super Bowl. Um, right, let's let, let, let's start things off, though, shall we, uh, by looking back at the, the career of, of the great Tom Brady, Sam, and uh, bigger fan, no bigger a fan of, of the ghosts you'll find than, than Mr. Acroyd. So uh, I'll throw it over to you, Sam. Why is he? Why, why was he the greatest of all time? Uh, because he won seven Super Bowls. And that's the end of that reasoning. Needs to, as far as, far as the discussion ever really needs to go for me. Uh, I'm not going to get dragged into this again, but he was certainly one of the greatest to ever play the game. It's a remarkable story, something you wouldn't really write, obviously. You know, it always gets referred to as, you know, Mr. What, 199 in the draft, etc. Couldn't run 40-yard dash about as quick as we could. Wasn't too far off it, was it, when I... On, on the rainy cobbles all those years ago. Uh, and so for all that, I mean, he, to, he overcame all that those sort of limitations that he maybe had in college. But the things he wasn't limited in was, you know, reading the game in uh, just uh, just learning on learning on the job as well. I think, you know, very coachable guy, obviously. Uh, a ridiculous level of determination just to keep wanting to win, to keep up at you know, the top of the mountain. A huge, competitive to the nth degree, even for a professional athlete. Um, and, and to keep it, to sustain it all the way into his 45th year or every year, his 44th year. Uh, yeah, it's a remarkable achievement by any measure. A remarkable career. And I, I, only, I sort of nitpick a bit, but obviously I can only degrade him so much and, and get into baseless uh, accusations that I often do as well. Um <laughs> But no, just he'll forever be along one of the you know one of the greatest in sports. You know, and a guy that opens up discussion then who's the greatest sportsman ever and becomes this ridiculous you know ridiculous pub chat and well schoolyard chat's probably fairer um, where, where that kind of chat talk belongs. But yeah, the way he could pick apart teams, the way he could be twenty odd points down and just unflappable and just absolutely convinced that he's got it and his team have got it, nothing to make that comeback and you know real rare rare qualities um that he just exemplified and traded on for you know 20 odd years seven super bowls however many divisional titles and championship games on top of that uh and obviously then had his little bit of a moment in the sun at the end of his career where he managed to take it off to another team with a different coach and put up just ridiculous numbers breaking every record going this year wasn't it with finally you know, with Drew Brees out for one season, he could just step in and take all the passing awards and touchdowns and all this. Yeah, a remarkable career and going out on a pretty decent note. Didn't quite... Another one of his classic comebacks just fell a little short at the death, but, you know, not not going out in the way that, you know, Ben Rothberger or Drew Brees, as I mentioned, or whoever, where they've just they've clearly gone one round or two rounds too many. Um, yeah, he probably had another season or so in him by the way you watched him this year uh, yeah, how, how much more do you want to say on the fella no well there's not too much more to say I'll, I'll, I'll see what Mr Carroll's got, got to offer us because I, it, it sort of it sort of came out of nowhere this it, up until 
that that Rams game, the divisional round, there was no real indication that, that, that this was something that Brady was, was considering. And then, of course, the questions start to be asked as the season ends. And then he, he came out, didn't he, and started talking about, I've got to think about my wife and, and, and the kids and the, think the family and, and, and all this and that. And it almost felt like in that moment when the man whose sort of tunnel vision has, has just powered him through 20 years in the NFL, once he started talking about things outside of football, you almost knew, oh, that's probably going to be it then. Yeah, well, apparently it's been a yearly decision for a while um, with him and his family about whether you know how long he should go for when they come back. And I think they've always kind of almost accommodated his like desire to be this kind of guy. You know that you know the, the, to keep going and going and going. Something he loves, obviously. But at some point, you know, enough's enough, isn't it? I mean, I, my wife will tell me when enough's enough quite quickly. So I, I can't see Giselle being much different. But uh, yeah, I mean. He's become something else since he went to Tampa. He's a lot more likable, I'll tell you that. Um, he's not he's not the machine he once was in terms of like in front of the cameras or you know when it comes to interviews and stuff like that. Or you know he he has got a personality. I think he's he's understood that there's stuff you can do alongside football and then after football. I think that's helped him really be a bit more yeah. calm about it because before, like you said before, he was all kind of like I don't know tunnel vision, laser focus on football and nothing else. And now now he's not and. Um, He's definitely been much more fun, I think, recently, and it was quite noticeable that he didn't thank anybody at the Patriots when he when he retired, which was rather interesting. And not, I'm not sure, maybe uh, I think he'll always go down as the Patriots quarterback and not a Buccaneers quarterback. But maybe right now he's thinking, you know, what if I had spent some of my time in my career elsewhere other than New England for a while? Would have enjoyed it even more. Who knows? Um, yeah, a story we'll never see again. I mean, if we're talking about the number one overall pick, it's a ridiculous story let alone some a guy who nearly fell through the cracks. So um, whether or not, I know Sam was begrudging his praise. I mean, there is praise there to uh, Sam Gay, but, you know, we're never going to see this again. We have been privileged to watch a guy like that. And it doesn't feel like it when you're sick and tired of the same team winning over and over again, but you are privileged to see that level of greatness for that for that length of time. And, uh, yeah, uh, something likely we're never going to come across again. And it is, it's fascinating as well when you look at the, the, the career as a whole, 20 years, and, and the, the, there were almost sort of four stages of Brady, weren't there? There was that, that initial burst when, you know, you know, when he, he took over the starting job, three Super Bowls in, in four or five years, wherever it was. And then in the later part of the noughties and the early part of the, the previous decade, you saw the kind of... Um, the, 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 the stats, Brady, wasn't it? It was it was putting up numbers, whether it was Randy Moss or Wes Welker, and, and you saw the evolution of him then as a passer. Almost after he'd won those three Super Bowls, it was after that, weirdly, that you, you actually started to see just how great a thrower the ball he was, and he could put up numbers. Then you went on to almost, for me, the third phase of his career was from the, the, the three Super Bowl, um, second run of three Super Bowls he had, in New England, um, and just when you think that's coming to an end, that that throw to Gronkowski, of course, in the Rams Super Bowl, um, and, and there've been questions throughout that year: is his arm gone a little bit? Twenty nineteen, not as good as, and we think this is it. But no, there's there's one more chapter, and that's him, you know, or going to Tampa and 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 making you know better throws than he had done his entire career. And I think that to me is just what is so remarkable is. There were there were just there were there were several peaks throughout a twenty year career, 
reinventing himself, repackaging himself and, and continuing to find success. Um, and I suppose the question, you know, when is the right time to go out? And, and as you say, Sam, when you very, well, when you did equal Umma, we were one point short, let's say, of equaling that, that, that famous comeback against uh, the Falcons in the Super Bowl in that uh, divisional round game, coming from 27-3 down. Okay, you, you lose the game because your, your defence gives up a, you know, a, a blown coverage right at the end to set up the field goal for the Rams. But if ever there was a, a performance you were going to go out on that isn't winning, you know, that, that isn't doing what very, very few of the elite sportsmen do, which is to... You know, the Joy Elway, you know, ride off into the sunset. Um, but even then, the, the Elway and, and the Peyton Manning of 2015 would you know, admit they, they didn't, the, the, the riding off into the sunset wasn't powered. It wasn't on the back of, of their performance that, that sort of uh, uh, depreciated a little bit um, And as time went on. And, and we saw it with Ben Roethlisberger these last few years, you know, Brett Favre, that final season in, in, in Minnesota. Um, so, yeah, I think this is as good as it was going to be. Um, what, it, what it does leave, though, Sam, I suppose now, um, with this decision, it's, uh, well, it, it means that we're going to see what, what Kyle Trask has, has got to offer in, in Tampa Bay. Uh, maybe. Uh, we'll maybe see what Kyle Trask has to offer. Um, it also means, of course, his uh, good friend, uh, tight end, Rob Gronkowski, is almost, uh, I don't know if he has officially announced it yet, but he'll, he was wavering anyway. I think that pretty much means he's retiring again. Um, it makes uh, the Tampa's uh, situation next season obviously interesting. And that entire NFC South look like it's going to be a much poorer division than it has been for the last couple of years, even this year probably. Um, do you think, do you think, uh, Sam, do you think uh, Gronkowski's next uh, phone call is to... Is to mix Mr. McMahon. He fancies another shot at the WWE title. Um, another shot at the title. Well, maybe. Shane O'Mac got fired by uh, WWE, didn't he? His, by mm. his dad this week. So, so there's a for him. Um, yeah, looking forward. Obviously, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. We've got free agencies to come and the draft and everything before we get. We forgot we'll get on the Cow Trust bandwagon. <laughs> But uh, it does leave the NFC suddenly wide open. That you know, the books have, they're not going to go terrible because they've still got, got keeping a lot of that Super Bowl team together. I think for another year or two. Um, so, we'll, so it'll be a favourable, favourable uh, situation for any quarterback taking over that role. But um, it does feel a little bit like the NFC's all, yeah. all four teams now have got uh, a lot of work to do next year. So we'll we'll, we'll see how that pans out. I'm already on my downers about it. I think it's going to be an absolute shit show from all four of them, but uh, it'll be fun to watch. Well, which which means you might have a chance of winning it. Uh, oh, we've got right. a chance of winning it. Okay, let's let's move things on. Let's move, let's talk about something uh, well more serious. Um, let's talk about uh, Brian Flores. So filing lawsuits against uh, three teams in the NFL alleging. Uh, racial discrimination. This, is, of course, came sort of came to light after an exchange, didn't it, side uh, between him and him and Bill Belichick, where Belichick had on, on, on getting the job, uh, 
the Giants job. This was before Flores had even been interviewed for the job. And um, through that exchange, of course, Belichick realises he's got it wrong. Uh, and it was uh, different Brian, Brian Dable, who, who ended up getting that Giants job. And I guess just um, exposed so much of the, the, the Rooney rule for what many people have suspected for a while, side. Um, almost sort of the, the, token, the tokenistic aspects of, of um, that piece of legislation um, exposed bare, really, through this. Uh, and Brian Flores has decided that he's, he's simply had enough uh, and he's, he's taken them to task. And it's, uh, it is a bombshell that's gone off, I think, in the NFL these past couple of weeks. Yeah, so he's gone full scorched to earth, hasn't he? And he's done it probably at the expense of his own career, which just goes to show just how important this uh, means to him, which I think is phenomenal. I mean, this is, this is past you. Somebody had to stand up and do this because, like you say, it's just been window dressing the last few years, really, has, has the Rooney Rule. I think when it first came in, people kind of really, you know, kind of understood why it had come in and they, and they almost, you know, did, did well with it. But as has always been the case, people have slow but surely migrated back to the we know who we kind of want and uh, now this Rooney Rule is something to get around rather than, you know, work with. And so what we've seen is people just being interviewed for the sake of it. So Eric Bienemy. Perfect example. How many times has he been interviewed and nothing's come of it? You know, it's something that really needs fixing. And obviously, Flores, that must have just been the final straw. Because if you look back at this actual testament, he's suing the, the Broncos, saying that it was a sham interview, saying that they'd rocked up to the interview an hour late and they were all, you know, haggard from the night before where they'd been drinking. You know, it wasn't a serious interview, he said. He knew at the time, he says he knows people who, as well in the league who've also had similar experiences with other teams. Um, what else did he say? He, he said, you know, that this this thing, one with the Bryant with the Giants is is the worst one of all because of, Brian Flores is a very good candidate for most teams. He shouldn't be on the market, and he's the third aspect of of his of his suit against the NFL is precisely because of that. He feels like he's been fired because he wouldn't tank. Now we discussed this a couple of years ago when the Philadelphia Eagles blatantly tanked on the field, not the players themselves, but. Doug Peterson by pulling the backup quarterback for the third choice quarterback in, a, in, a, in what he described was we wanted to see what we had in was it Nate Sudfeld I don't Nate know Nate Sudfeld good memory like they didn't already fucking know so now here we're seeing what we came to the conclusion of and that is that the front office of a football team should be allowed to tank they've got the long interest the long term interest of a, of, a, of a franchise at heart and if they think that taking down a franchise piece by piece and rebuilding it in their own image is the best thing to do then that's absolutely fine but once you step onto that field the integrity of the sport really really matters and I think that the players on that on that field are playing for their jobs and obviously the coaches are playing for their jobs you can't expect them to start losing games so for the, for him for the owner to come out and ask Brian Flores to lose games for 100 grand a game someone like Brian Flores who obviously is a man of, of character impeccable character as it as it turns out that's not going to sit very well is it and it, it Ever since the season, first season. You know, we all thought it was weird how Flores got fired this off-season. We did. You know, we all assumed it was some kind of disagreement over Tua. You know, this makes complete sense now, doesn't it? Um, the worst thing about this is how the NFL came out straight away afterwards and said, these these accusations are without merit. I mean, it took them two hours to decide that, did it? They didn't even know what the accusations were. You know, this, this is ridiculous. And then two days later, they come back and say they're going to be investigating these issues in full. So, if, you know, finally, they've... Realise what a bad PR move that was, but um, I hope he doesn't cost Flores his career. I hope he does. You know, there's one job left, really, maybe maybe two, but one certainly that he was in the mix for. 
um, and I hope he gets it. But uh, this is something, like I said, that needs to be happened for a long time because what they hope to achieve with the Rooney Rule simply is is the the exact opposite is happening now. I mean, we were down to one uh, African American head coach last season. I think it was three uh, 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 head coaches of, of um, ethnic minority. Um, and if this and as a purely cynical thing, since this Blair and Flores suit has been launched, two more head coaching hires have been made, and both of those are minorities as well. So maybe it's having an impact already. Who knows? Yeah, no, interesting stuff, Sai. And I think that the, the, the number that was thrown around was a hundred grand he was offered by uh, Stephen Ross back in his his first season, Flores in twenty nineteen, to a hundred grand per game thrown basically to help them get the number one overall pick for the following year. And um, of course, they ended up Dolphins. Remember that season, sort of second half of the year, Fitz kind of caught fire a little bit, and they ended up finishing the season fairly strong. And, and all due credit to Flores as a result. Um, interesting, Sam. I was, I was reading about this this um, a, a report that um, several civil rights uh, lawyers put together. This was quoted in, in there was an article in the Guardian uh, talking about it. After you hear, um, qualified black coaches overlooked for opportunities, um, black coaches were more likely to be fired than white coaches with inferior records, and the numbers revealed that black coaches, on average, won more games per season and led. 57% of the time compared with 39% for white coaches. What what do you think happens next in this, in, in, in this saga? Uh, I suspect very little because like, um, it just felt like the NFL was like, says their, their response was immediately just, well, put the shield up, don't they? Also protect the, the shield of the NFL without, I said, no, there's no, there's baseless allegations um, without knowing anything, and they, they, yeah, they, we've seen it for all season, haven't they? They've got the end racism uh, painted into the turf of every at the end of every uh, end zone for all this, and they're quite happy to pay lip service things, but actually, really, you know, uh, the commissioner did that the interview in the, the wake of Black Lives Matter, and you know, five years on from Colin Kaepernick taking the knee, started paying lip service to it, and said, yeah, we need to do better, we need to learn. Then your first opportunity to show, yeah, we're going to do better and we've learned. They, go, they sort of immediately shut it down and, you know, to almost take legal action against it. So uh, the fear is not much will change. Um, the hope is that they'll find ways to toughen up the... Like I said, it's clearly... You know, it made some good inroads at the time, but it's clearly not gone far enough. And I, I it's probably slightly beyond my ken to know how to how to really go and fix that, especially, you know, within the realms of, you know, fair employment rules and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it does need looking at again, in, in this case, and it, uh, it really does need ramming home how brave and courageous this stance is that, uh, uh, that's been taken by Brian Flores here. Cause it, I think he, he launched this class action suit on, on the day he was going to interview with New Orleans or, or, um, who, and one of the two, and knowing full well, but he said, "Look, whatever the outcome of this, I still want to be a head coach, and it shouldn't affect that." But he knows full well that the owners aren't going to like people rocking the boat. No one likes whistleblowers in corporate worlds, and it, yeah, this is really taking a stance and putting every everything in the game he loves on the line for it. And it, it is incredibly uh, brave, uh, principled stance for him to take. 
but it just feels like unless unless there's more sort of more support behind him, the NFL will do what they always do and and, and shut it down. The owners won't want to change, and I think they'll duck out of it as much as they possibly can. That's the interesting thing about him making it a class action suit. It does invite other people to to join in with it, and we've sort of had a few mutterings from that. Um, Hugh Jackson uh, made a few comments in here that he was certainly he felt hard done by, and that he was the, the sort of tanking issue has been a almost a bit of a sideshow to the whole you know, main thrust of this stuff. But he he felt like he was severely pressured to take him at Cleveland. Um, but if he, yeah, if you if get more behind it, maybe some, maybe they'll force a change. But it, we've seen what happens, uh, and forgive my cynicism, but uh, I think we'll, we'll just hear a few more lip service, a few more platitudes, and uh, very little change. Maybe the renewal will expand to two two coaches of uh, colour that you have to interview, and that and that'll be enough. But nothing will change for another few years, and, and we'll see another, we'll see similar again and again. I, I really do fear that, but uh, but all credit for Flores for shining, like Sai says, a light on this that's you know been well overdue, being shone on you know the, the, this kind of matters. The, you know the, the guys at New York, Mara and Tish, where they just having an interview, just even if you take all the you know the colour aspect, the you know, racism aspect out of it, and just say. Well, you've chosen a guy, but you're having interviews, just doing lip service interviews. For what? It's just shit employment practice anyway. Why even invite them through the door? Yeah, is that, that that's just a garbage way to win a, a garbage team as far as I'm concerned. But, um, yeah, the original question, where it leads, I suspect not very far, but I hope, uh, hope, hope that it will also will change. I just don't know what form that would take. Mm. No, no, interesting stuff. And again, just one example, I you know, speak as a Niners fan and notice today that, that Mike McDaniel, the, the white offensive coordinator um, who has been given the Dolphins head coaching job, uh, D'Amico Ryans, who for me, and I think for a lot of Niners fans, is, is much more... I uh, coordinator done a much better job and, and I think is, is, is a clear... Uh, obvious head coach candidates. Um, it's uh, has been uh, has been overlooked on this occasion. Interesting so thing about sorry, just oh, ju- I want to jump sorry, in before sorry. anybody else says anything. There. Mike McDaniel is actually multi-ethnic. He uh, he would have actually satisfied the Rooney Rule, which is interesting. You look at him. Oh, okay. and I, I did not know this at all. Name like Mike McDaniel. I'm, you couldn't get much more of a white name than that if you tried. You look at him. Just looks like some tech nerd, doesn't he, from uh, Silicon Valley? Turns yeah. out, turns out, turns out he's got a very diverse background. I'm not sure um, what goes into it, but yeah, I, I was surprised to read that as, as, as much as you would probably, I was probably are to hear that. So there you go. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say there. You talk about the qualification of it and the, the Giants' uh, response was that Drabel is was the you know the most qualified man for the job. It's like, well, how can an offensive coordinator be more qualified than a man who's just been a head coach for three years? Well, well, let's not get into that because you know there's plenty of head well, coaches. Okay, you should but, never have been a head coach well, for three years. Before he's had back-to-back winning seasons and a head coach for two years. Yeah, no, don't get And you're saying before you even interviewed him that the guy you've got is the most qualified guy you're going to see. No, it's just a nonsense. I agree with that. I just do. I do have a slight sympathy for Brian Dayball, whose hiring will always be tarred. Yeah, no, it's not not his Uh, A guy who's probably earned a shot at a head coaching job by now. So, but yes, I I do take your point, mate. Well, speaking of uh, hirings, head coaching jobs, there's been, as I say, a busy old time of it. Uh, Sorry, 
Do you want to, should we go sort of one by one through the, the, the headline acts that the head coaches and we can uh, offer some thoughts on those and, and Sam can kind of nod and we'll crack on. Yeah, it's been like that game, <laughs> No worries, guys. Right, where do you want to start? Jacksonville, seeing as they found someone to work with Trent Balky. Finally found someone. Let, go on, let's go for it. All right, Sam, who is Doug Peterson? I do know this one. That's a nice, easy one. Yes. He's the Fade Super Bowl winning coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, now he's the Super Bowl losing coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, nice guy, like Doug Peterson. Obviously, worthy of another yep. shot somewhere. Uh, if he couldn't make it work in a slightly awkward uh, front office in Philly, Wardy, do you think he can make it work in what can only be described as a clusterfuck in Jacksonville? Well, I don't understand this. It's just total chaos, and I don't <laughs> understand why they they they. You know, what has Trent Balky ever done in this league? You know, he, he has upset everyone, every organisation he's worked for, fallen out with a load of head coaches, fallen out with a load of personnel. And, and for some reason, um, you know, Shay Khan d- d- decides that this is still the man to to lead the team forward. And, and Doug Peterson, who whose reputation as a head coach, you know, it was like a roller coaster. It, it, it was a sort of, you know, sharp incline and then an even sharper decline after the 2020 season. People think of him. You would have thought, Si, wouldn't you, that this wouldn't be the job to kind of go have a little bit of your reputation to restore. Yeah, I was a bit surprised. I, I mean, it's a great landing spot, isn't it? You know, everyone talks about living in Jacksonville in Florida with the taxes and obviously you've got the franchise quarterback there, which should, they're all benefits. Um, maybe they just clicked. Maybe it feels right for Doug Peterson because he has turned down other opportunities before. Um, he, uh, not necessarily head coaching ones, but certainly ones he didn't feel was like in his best interest. So he, he was a consi- he'll, be a, he'll have considered it uh, and he's obviously determined it's worth a shot. So interesting in that front, I think. Now then, we've just talked about him. The multi, the multi-ethnicity Mike McDaniel, Sam. Has I'm, been, has... I'm still Googling him, by the way. I still can't <laughs> find uh, He's been hired by the Mammy Dolphins to replace uh, Brian Flores. Uh, who is Mike McDaniel? I know that that's doing well here. He's offensive coordinator at uh, Wardy's beloved 49ers. He's on fire here, Sam. Wardy, let's throw it to you, buddy. Um, tell us a little bit about him and what you think. So, but for what? You know, maybe I, was, maybe I was a little harsh earlier in saying that he's nowhere near as qualified as D'Amico Ryan's. I, I when I look back at our season last year, it was really the defence that stood out to me. Um, what I would say is that from what I've been reading uh, throughout the year, Shanahan delegated to uh, McDaniels more than he has any other offensive coordinator who's been there. Now, we know the San Francisco offence goes as Shanahan goes, you know, um, but apparently a lot of the a lot of the run game, he was happy to, to delegate to, to McDaniels. Um, so, Maybe that's something to, to, to look out for uh, next year in Miami, a stronger run game. Um suspect we'll be seeing them in the in the draft looking for someone to, to come in there and, and fill the, the running back uh, position because they don't have much currently there. Do they? They've got Malcolm Brown and they've got Miles Gaskin. I think, yeah. Uh, so so maybe that, that's something to look out for, uh, the way they run the ball uh, in Miami. He's a character. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a real character and uh, very affable popular um, in the locker room um, and we shall see I, I was surprised because to be quite frank 
up until halfway through this season, if you'd have said, oh, yeah, how's Mike McDaniel getting on? I'd have said, who? <laughs> um, but, um, you know, we, we do often see these, these, you know, they can quickly rise, can't they, uh, sometimes to, to head coach. And uh, it's an interesting hire from the Dolphins. Another mess of an organisation. And, and you wonder, he's 38 years old going in there. I uh, hope he's got um, broad shoulders. Might need, he's going to need them, I think. He doesn't look like he's got him, does he? Looks like a right nerd. Uh, from, no, what, no, from one no. McDaniel to a McDaniels, Sam, this one's all on you, buddy, because Josh McDaniels has been hired as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Tell me about him. Well, uh, you know, I have to sweat him for a second then, but he's the <laughs> New England Patriots fellow, isn't he? He is, mate. He, uh, turned, down, turned down the Colts after briefly accepting them. Looked like he was going to stick out in New England, wait for Bill Belichick to retire. And then fight it out with Belichick Jr. for the uh, for the throne. <laughs> fight uh, it out with Belichick Jr. <laughs> well, that was shaping up that way, wasn't it? Uh, but no, anyway, off to Vegas and all the uh, well, goodness me! I, I, by the way, news stories out of Vegas and the NFL just continually <laughs> depressing. Us. There's another one this weekend with uh, Arvin Kamara. Um, so I think the NFL should stay away from Vegas. It seems like very bad news. But yeah, he is the offensive coordinator of the New England Patriots of some years standing. <laughs> very good, mate. Uh, McDaniel, do, do you think he'll stick it out, Wardy? Well, he's one other attempt at a head coaching gig, what, 2009 and 10, and he was in Denver, wasn't he? And he got off to that great start and famously beat Belichick, and they were 5-0, and and, and it all very quickly fell apart for him there. But, you know, look, he, he's 10 years on. Uh, and 10 years old, much more experienced. But we do have to drop that caveat, don't we, that he has had the greatest quarterback of all time <laughs> running his offences. For... You would say that they, you know, he did a good job with Mac Jones last year. I think it's fair to say, you know, um, best performing rookie quarterback. Uh, I also, I, I just don't know. I'm, I'm maybe a little bit uh, sceptical on this one side, you know. People leaving the Belichick, uh, leaving the nest. They, they don't tend to fly very high, do they? No, they don't. Okay, so Josh McDaniels, one former Patriots uh, assistant. Another former Patriots assistant who's been playing his trade in the same division for a while now. And we've just discussed him, obviously. Big Brian Dayball, hired by the New York Giants. Sam, tell me who Brian Dayball is and why, why can't he wear a suit like any other normal man? Because he's massive, isn't he? Yeah, uh, that's pretty much it, it, mate. Yeah, he looks like a bin bag. Big lad. Uh, yeah, offensive coordinator at Buffalo. I knew uh, Giants hiring policy seems to be, well, if it's working in Buffalo, it will work here. Because uh, one of those days after getting there, the new G, uh, their new GM from the front office of Buffalo, they went and got the... That's right, mate. Joe Shearn is the new GM. As well. So assuming they've got a quarterback of similar quality <laughs> to uh, Josh Allen there already, they should be assuming for you know AFC Championship uh, AFC Championship games. <laughs> I don't uh, think so, mate. No NFC Championship <laughs> games. But uh, <laughs> Wardy, do you think do you think this is the plan? Basically, get a guy who can salvage uh, Daniel Jones. Well, I think he's got he's got a year run out, hasn't he? Mm. And, and you know they're probably looking at it going, oh, you know. Up in Buffalo, they've got a quarterback who who's mobile as well, and let's see if this that can transfer. The difference is the guy in in, in Buffalo is, is is pretty damn good, and Daniel Jones. Well, frankly, we haven't seen enough. We um, yeah, I, I think it, he's, he's on a one year um, 
salvage season, isn't he, for Daniel Jones? And then I think I'll just move on. But interestingly, Sai, when you look at the Giants, they've got a couple of picks in that first uh, that first round, haven't they? Now, I'm hearing that, you know, maybe the quarterback class isn't as strong this year and perhaps that they might be looking to, to, to build the O-line next year. I don't know whether I'm stealing some of your uh, NFL drafts, Sai, thunder there. No, mate. I like how you say you're here in this draft class isn't very good at the quarterback position. It's all, <laughs> it's all anyone's ever bloody talking about. I think it's a lot of horse shit. But um, I don't know. I think the Giants have got a great head coach there. You know, he's he's been in other positions apart from Josh Allen. I just think his work with Josh Allen just shows how good he is at kind of like moulding his playbook to the skill set of his quarterback. And if you can do that in, in New York, it doesn't matter which quarterback it is, you know, you'll, you'll have success. So um, it's a good appointment for him, obviously, in We've talked about it in dodgy circumstances, but, you know, going forward for Brian Dayball, it's a great opportunity, isn't it? He's left a good quarterback to go to a dog shit one. Another man's done that as well. Nathaniel Hackett has been named the head coach of the Denver Broncos, Sam. Your first real test here, who is Nathaniel Hackett? Nathaniel Hackett. Um, mm, that's a good question. I know. Uh, I didn't even know. I didn't even know he was the current uh, head coach at <laughs> Denver. So I'm not going to look. I'm going to get his former job either. I'm afraid. Oh, lucky mate. He's, he's he's got a very good friend, Sam, who plays quarterback. There's a clue for you. Who might be on the move? Uh, Green Bay. Hey. Hey. Offensive coordinator for Green Bay. Yeah. So he's left the Packers. He's gone to Denver to work for George Payton. Uh, interesting that what he mentions uh, Rogers because Rogers was obviously very linked very heavily with the Denver Broncos this off time last off season. Uh, it never materialised, but potentially could end up going back to work with his former offensive coordinator. There would be interesting if that happens. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater and, and Drew Lock haven't quite done it, have they? So uh, good fit. I, am, I, am I right in thinking as well that they've 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 grabbed the the Packers um, quarterback coach as the new oh, offensive. Yeah, that's yeah, quite that's yeah. quite common. That is, it's a it, when you see offensive coordinators leave the like the skill position coaches. They'll if, especially if they're on the rise, they've got a choice to make, and then they can either get promoted in where they are, or if they're part of the tree of the guy leaving, they might go and follow him. And I'm not sure who it is, but he's obviously chosen the latter in that scenario. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting, one, isn't it? I mean, what well, he was down in Jacksonville working with Blake Bottles for for, for a couple of years. Uh, I mean, maybe it's hard to judge anyone who's working with Blake Bottles for a couple of years. But you just seem to love him. Rogers was was a big fan, so uh, be be interesting to see as well because they they tend to hire defensive coaches. Over the last few yeah. years, they, you know, the Fangio before him, they had oh, who was the fella say Dolphins defensive coordinator? I think he's now in Arizona. Arizona, yeah, I know you're talking about. I can't remember his name either. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. So. Um, if they can get the offense right there in Denver, you know, with, with, with that running game and some of those receiving options, it, it could just explode. But um, Vance yeah, Joseph, so Vance Joseph, there you go. Yeah, no, so good, good, good to see an offensive coach hired in Denver. I think that'll, yeah, be good to see something a bit more out of that offense uh, going forward. Uh, Hopefully whether not. Or not the quarterback, uh, whether or not the quarterback joins. Green Bay will be, I'm sure, one of the narratives of the next two months. Yeah, well, we're not getting into that right now, I'll tell you that much. Right, Sam, Chicago Bears have hired Matt Eberflus. Tell me who that is. A guy who's certainly been in line for a uh, head coaching job the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. Good one, Eberflus. How are you spelling that? E-B-E. Um, as if oh. that's making a difference. <laughs> 
has he been at Tampa? No, incorrect. This is the defensive coordinator of the Indianapolis Colts. He's uh, certainly been a hot commodity the last two or three seasons. Another guy who looks like a bit like a nerd. Um, interesting how this, Wardy, because gone to Chicago where you thought they might be looking for an offensive coordinator kind of guy who could, you know, like they could pair with Justin Fields and really bring the most out of him. But no, they've gone back to the defensive side of things, which has served them quite well in as history has, uh, has shown. They, you know, they need to get that defense back on track as well, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And and the Colts defense, I, I think he's got, I think they've overperformed really. They overachieved the last couple of seasons because outside of, you know, Darius Leonard, you know, they've obviously got the big fella from San Francisco there, Buckner. There's not a lot of star names on that defense, but they had multiple takeaways in pretty much every game last year. So I think he really knows how to get the defense playing and, and maximize uh, the talent he's got. Um, so with, with 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 Justin Fields, who's he brought over as, as offensive coordinator? Because that obviously will be will will, will be really important for the Bears. I'll have a quick uh, look now, see if that's been. Uh... Should I just sort of filibuster until you're uh, you're there about Matt <laughs> Everflus, who, uh, who was nominated for an awardee last year? Sam, he sort of snuck him okay. in right at the end. He was he's Luke Getzey. Yeah, Luke Getzey. The, the Bears offensive uh, so, coordinator. Well, he's that's been... interesting because he was the he was the passing game coordinator at the Packers this off season was Luke Getzey. So he's he's crossed the divide to go there to work with Justin Fields. That's an interesting one. I know one indeed. There we go. Right, next mm. man up. Uh, that, that's that, we've only had six official hires. The next one mm. team still left left to go and two presumed. So Houston, Sam, Lovey Smith. Uh, all signs point to him being the next head coach for the Texans. Who is Lovey Smith and what is he famous for? Uh, he's famous for his lovely white beard. He's not, but that's all right. Uh, and he's, uh, well, he's an in-house hire, isn't he? He's the uh, defensive coordinator. I know you love him from his college days. I don't. Uh, no? No, he was, uh, cra- he was crap at Illinois the last few years. Uh, but I, thought, I just mean the look. I think you just liked... Him standing, looking badass on the sidelines. Oh, with his beard! Like you keep everything's going back to his beard because you just say you don't That's know don't, don't know about the man. You mentioned him, and he's <laughs> he's always in shape, isn't he? He looks like a just looks like a film character. Uh, um, yeah. Um, uh, he he was he was the head coach of the Chicago Bears and mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Am I right in thinking si, him and Tony Dungy were? Competed in Super Bowl where Peyton Manning won his first only Super Bowl with the Colts. That right? There you go, mate. He was he was he was the head coach of the Chicago Bears and they last made it to the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman at quarterback. Oof. Um, this is it's an uninspiring hire, I'd argue, because Lovey Smith is a bit of a yesterday's man in terms of the NFL. You know, it was a shocker when he left the Chicago Bears that he got the Tampa Bay job, that he fell out of the NFL and went and coached at the college level with Illinois. You know. I don't think Texas fans are going to be unhappy about this because they fired Dave Cully. We all thought that was a sham, you know. And um, <laughs> well, we did, didn't we? To be, you know, and you yeah. think, well, they must be lining up someone big or someone Nick Casario knows quite well. This is um, the reason why Lovey Smith's famous is for the Tampa Two defense. So he's part of that Dungy tree back in the day that Mike Tomlin came from as well. He's they he's. A big proponent of this Tampa, Tampa defense, and when it was in vogue in the NFL, 
the Chicago Bears defense was phenomenal. And at the end of his tenure in Chicago, teams were moving away from that. It's a bit too rigid, a bit too, you know, it's not as fluid. Now, you look at uh, easy way to explain it to the uh, offenses we see nowadays because you watch the offense so much more. Everything's a moving pitch nowadays. There's no, there's no real fixed script, is there, anymore? Well, the same's on defense. You just don't see it as much. But um, obviously, he was he's, he's militant to the Tampa 2 defense. So like, obviously, he's, his success has, has been stymied because of that. Um, I don't. I, yeah, they rebounded really well the Texans last year, certainly on defense, and you can understand why he got a shot at, at, at the interview. And by all accounts, he was up against Josh McCown, who's a former quarterback in the NFL for a number of teams, and has always been regarded as a real bright mind, but has only ever coached at high school level, never had any coaching experience at college or NFL level, not in position coaching, coordinators, anything. So maybe they dodged the bullet there, or maybe they've missed out on the next best thing. You don't know. It's hard to tell, isn't it? Really. It, I think it's more about a question of direction with the Texans, isn't it? Yeah, it, it just again feels like just sort of kicking the can further down the road, and and that this is maybe a a Dave Cully higher sort of mark too, maybe. Si, I don't know. Maybe they're they're not so, doing the Rooney Rule any favours, then are they? Fact one and done. Well, all these black guys tell you that much, right? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting one here. Minnesota Vikings, they have not named their next head coach. And the reason is, it's presumed that they're going to be hiring Kevin O'Connell, defensive coordinator from where, Sam? And why can't they name him yet? There you go. That narrows it down. Oh, Cincinnati. No, you no! idiot. 50-50 shot and you've been your balls. Oh, go on, Wally. Take it away, mate. So, Kevin O'Connell is the Rams offensive uh, coordinator, Sam. Um, and he's been there... Is that right? I'm thinking, Sai, he, he's been there since McVeigh has been yeah, there. Yeah, he's, he's a McVeigh boy, and he's really talented. He's like, the, he's one of those names. He's a Mike McDaniel, a Sean McVeigh, a buddy Zach Taylor, a Matt Lafleur. One, just put him in that big bucket of these offensive whiz kids, if you like, and uh, and, and uh, they all come from Shanahan. They all come from the Shanahan tree, I suppose. Don't yeah, they? not one of them's won uh, a Super Bowl yet either. Yeah, Kyle's probably got his own tree now. Would that be, be fair to say, going back to the Washington days? Yeah, more of a bush at the moment. No, rather than a tree. Oh, I, don't, I don't think oh, it's, it's too it's lo- lo- longevity yet. Just yeah. one, of them, one of them is about to win a Super Bowl, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. We have to, don't we? Uh, which, of course, which, of course, I'm excited about because it means that maybe Kirk Cousins will finally be getting the recognition he deserves next year when he lights it up. I, just, I, think this is, I think this is the best job out there. I honestly do. Looking at the list of these jobs, I think the Vikings job is the best one. I think they give the coaches time. I think it's a great football city. I think they've got a, a roster that's pretty, you know, if you look at that up and down this list, there's not many rosters there better than this one. Um, I honestly think that he's landing his feet there as O'Connell and hopefully he can do the business. Hopefully he can unlock Kirk a little bit more. Uh, but it's the defence, isn't it, really, that's kind of falling apart and they might want to try and get back on track. So it'll be interesting to see who they've hired on that side of the football. Final one. New Orleans Saints, Sam. Still not hired anybody. Probably can't afford to. Um, I don't know what direction you're going, but all I've got sources at the senior bowl who say that Brian Flores has been down there with uh, New Orleans Saints brass talking a lot. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he gets another cracker. Uh, you'll be taking some moral high ground, no doubt, if that happens, won't you? Yeah, I'd love Flores there. I know, I know the main, I can't remember his name, but it's an in-house hiring, again, isn't it, that the, the front runner is... Dennis uh, Allen. That's it, Dennis Allen. I think he's still the front runner, isn't he? And oh, he will be, yeah. You can see, you can see them wanting to keep a bit of continuity there, maybe with the whole, uh, you know, previous era of Breeze and uh, <laughs> the 
his coach's name's completely dropped out of my head. Sean Payton? Come on, keep on, man. Payton, Absolute no, embarrassment of a fan. You get that paper bag back on your head. Right, who wants some anyway, position coaches? That's just I'm ahead. That's the that's stage. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you, you can see the temptation to see that. But yeah, I would love Brian Flores. And he's obviously showing how he can... Couple of hand, uh, couple of the hands tied behind the back, which is probably <laughs> going to be New Orleans for a year or two yet. So. Yeah, you are fuck, mate. Right, position coaches. Here we go, boys. You ready for this? Anthony Lynn has been named an assistant head coach for the 49ers. Uh, some kind of offensive, like I don't know. Uh, I don't even know what the word you call it is. It's just yeah. like a consultant. We'll, we'll use consultant. Yeah. I think. Nothing other yeah. than that. Terrell Austin, uh, he's been promoted to defensive coordinator in Pittsburgh because uh, Keith Butler, who has re- retired 19 years with the team, Keith Butler, retired. So that's happened. Uh, what else have we seen here? In New York Giants have hired Mike Kafka as their offensive coordinator. So I don't know. Oh, he's the Chief, Chiefs quarterback coach. So I don't think there's any link there with Dayball, but I think it's just to kind of, you know, he's, he's earned a shot. It's, it'd be interesting to see how, how that works with uh, Daniel Johnson. <laughs> Daniel Jones could get two levels up there. Who knows? Who knows? Um, not sure who the defensive coordinator is yet in Minnesota because they haven't hired their offensive coordinator. So, uh, sorry, they haven't hired the O'Connell yet, have they? So I don't suppose that he'll be in a position to name his assistants either. Uh, what else have we got here? Ryan Ficken's been named special teams coordinator for the Chargers. This is an interesting hire. Now, there's been a musical chairs here. Gus Bradley has replaced Matt Eberflus at Indianapolis Colts as defensive coordinator, which meant a whole... Was, was opened in uh, Las Vegas, and they filled that with Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator from the Giants, who had a great season last year with the Giants' defense. So uh, that's a big-time hire for for Josh McDaniels there. Uh, I don't think Peterson's hired anybody yet. Uh, this is interesting. I, I feel a bit sorry. You know uh, Rich Bisakia, who was in the running for the Raiders' job? Yeah. He obviously was the interim head coach the last few weeks, and they've done a fantastic job this season, steadying the ship in Las Vegas. He uh, didn't get the gig, and he's out of uh, Las Vegas. He's got a special teams coordinator job at Green Bay, which is an absolute steal for them. That is a phenomenal hire. Yeah. And they've replaced Nathaniel Hackett with um, Adam Ste- Stenovich, who... Just promotion, in-house promotion. So there's that. Um, Denver Broncos, Justin Alton's been named as the offensive coordinator. Don't know much about Justin Alton, to be fair. Uh, oh, there you go. It tells me there. That's easy enough. Uh, Packers tight end coach. So the, that's that's the one you're referring to, Wardy, before. Yeah. The Bears are filling out their uh, team nicely. Like we say, Luke gets. he's got the offensive coordinator job. Alan Williams has been hired as the defensive coordinator. So Eberflus has obviously taken one of his guys with him. Um, he was the defensive backs stroke safeties coach at Indy so you get more promotions there we know about Ben McAdoo we talked about that a little bit he's the new offensive coordinator in Carolina they've also named a new special teams coordinator Chris Tabor and the Bills have replaced Brian Dayball with Ken Dorsey who was um, Buffalo's QB coach this year so there should be some continuity there for Josh Allen so there shouldn't be much drop off but potentially one of the biggest offensive, uh, one of the biggest coordinator hires this offseason has been Mike McDonald by the Ravens. He's replaced Wink Martindale as defensive coordinator. Now you won't have heard much about Mike McDonald, uh, but he was one of the best coordinators at the college level last year, and it's a real big loss for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, who basically made it to the college football playoffs last year on the back of that defense. So that's pretty much all the position hires so far. Lovely stuff, Simon Carroll. Sam, let us talk, shall we, about the. Ball this Sunday in Englewood, uh, where you wait uh, 55 years for a city, a, to, a, a team 
from a host city to make the Super Bowl. And then, of course, you get two happening in consecutive years. How do we look at this game? Well, some some early thoughts. Is, is, I mean, it's on paper. Um, it, it looks incredible, uh, incredibly difficult to see how the Bengals pull this one out. The weakness of that team, the interior O-line, here comes Aaron Donald into play, struggling uh, to stop wide receivers. Here comes the great, the, the best wide receiver in the league this season. Um, we've got a, a Rams team who are sort of peaking nicely um, and a Bengals team who have, have really pulled out some uh, snatch-and-grab victories over the past couple of weeks. But, Sam, we know it's not that simple. Um, how do the Bengals overcome the odds in this one? Uh, beyond the obvious uh, <laughs> quarterback and wide receiver combo. It seems to be working terribly well for them so far. Um, well, that weakness of the O-line that we all said was going to absolutely do them against the Chiefs um, was just about strong enough. I think Burrow seems to know how to cope with it at the very least. I thought that was a, a notable improvement, actually, in the championship game. You saw him just throwing the balls away more and his sack count was down, but I mean, it could have been very high if he, if he played the way he had the week before. So he sort of got that for him. He, he was evaded, very, evading very well. So he might, so he's going to, he's going to have to have a, a phenomenal game. I think a lot of it is on the fact that he and uh, Chase have just absolutely caught fire for the last, well, I mean, all season really last of what, six weeks, something like that. They've been virtually unstoppable. Um, and that, that D, which oh, I had a terrible time of it in the first half against the Chiefs, but they made the adjustments. They worked, figured out how to beat them, um, and pulled out another second half performance that they were sort of becoming a bit famous for. But I think it worked. You know, a lot of credit to the coaching staff there, where they've gone half time and like, right, what what are we doing wrong? What do we need to do? What where do we need to change? So if they can make the adjustments, as everyone always says, it's it's a game of adjustments, isn't it? The NFL. Um, there's enough, I mean, no one's better against the Bengals, really. I know that, obviously, on paper, Rams are far away favourites, but, um, yeah, you'd be, after the last few weeks, no one's going against the Bengals because they just they keep getting it done. And, you know, without huge superstars all over, but, you know, they've got, that, that D is, a, is a, D, a good enough D to stymie the Rams. You know, the run game's not really there for LA, so, you know, that's a pop. A plus straight away for the Bengals. Um, yes, you've got to contain Cooper Cup, but you have to contain Tyreek Hill and uh, uh, not Kittle. Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. You are bugger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they managed to do that. I think yeah, Jesse Bates and uh, Von Bell at the safety would you know, magnificent we know some game. Names. Oh, hello. Some names. Well, actually, the. We didn't get a chance to talk about it because can't. We we had to skip uh, skip it last time. But uh, you know, Sam Hubbard playing on just our uh, job spying Pat Mahomes for the entire second half. So that that you know, just sort of what just sitting deep, keeping them. Yeah, you know, they might see sort of the uh, just techniques like that and ideas like that that you can switch onto the Rams playing out of the skin. It'll be. It's not an absolute gimme at all. Even if you even if you factor out the current form the Bengals are in. Now, yeah, they are going to beat the Rams and the Rams all season. And I think the reason they're not being run away successfully and everyone's sort of 
talking down people, you know, the quarterback especially, but I think they've been a bit harsh on a lot of the Rams, is because they, you just feel like they should be absolutely excelling. And they haven't really done it any time this season. They've always looked a bit vulnerable. They've always looked like they've played within themselves quite a lot. And so why would that suddenly turn around in game 19 or whatever it is of their season? You know, there's no reason why, you know, there's every reason to suspect they'll leave way too much off the field like they have done all, all, all year. Yeah. Fair points, and, I, I, and I'll, let, I'll come back to the, the Rams' offense because it's a very fair point, Sam. I just want to pick up on that thing you were saying about the this Bengals' defense side, which has been a an unpredictable unit. I think would be fair to say this season. We've seen in, in, in certain games against the Steelers that first game against the Ravens, we saw this defense play lights out. You know, Jesse Bates, as as, as Sam mentioned, and Trey Hendrickson. Um, been the real stars on, on that unit but it feels a little top heavy and it has also been overwhelmed a little bit in a, in a, in a couple of games um, it looked like it was going that way after the first half in Arrowhead last week and a lot of the talk has been about the you know the the, the Mahomes meltdown the Chiefs collapse that however you want to sort of phrase it but perhaps overlooking the credit that we should be giving the Bengals for those adjustments made on defence. What did you see there? This has been a theme for the Bengals' defence all the way through the season. They have been one of the best teams, like you just used the perfect word, they've been the best teams at adjusting at half-time than any team in the league, really. I think that's fair to say. And the coordinator, Lou Anarumo, who came over as almost an afterthought, when Zach Taylor was hired as head coach of the Bengals, it took them, I don't know if you remember this, guys, it took them absolutely ages to name a defensive coordinator. They went through a host of names. Then up settling on the defensive backs coach from the Giants, which was Lou Anarumo. And Lou Anarumo was taking his... As, as the as the Zach Taylor era has really, it's taken a long time to get his teeth into this team and really, you know, mould it into what they want. And uh, heading into this season, he was on the hot seat with Luana Rumo because this defence, you know, they've, they've thrown a bit of money at it, I suppose, and uh, they hadn't really quite made it, but this is a different story now. And last week was a perfect example, wasn't it? We saw... We saw them overmatched in the first half. As, as many, and that's no insult, as many teams are up against the Chiefs. You know, it's not an easy task at all, is it, to go up against those those bastard Chiefs. You know, is it? You, you can't take everything away. You simply cannot. And when you do, Mahomes kills you with his legs. And uh, they, they, did, I don't even know how they did it. You know, we come out of the second half. There's this, there's a big story about oh, they were down 11 points at half time, just like they were in Week 17 when they beat the Chiefs. And to me, that was just total horseshit because in Week 17 whilst the Chiefs still have something to play for, they were guaranteed player football. So, you know, it's a different kettle of fish than it is when it's, you, when it's knockout time, isn't it? So, but then um, they did, they came out and they were a different animal. They just, they penned him in. And, and Trey Hendrickson is the guy I want to really, I mean, I love Jesse Bates. I've done for a couple of years, loved him when he was at Wake Forest, but Trey Hendrickson on last Sunday, he was playing injured for pretty much the last half an hour of play. He, he was basically almost in tears on the sideline. He was covered in blood up the side of his body. Um, he was he was doing the business, and yet he every time a big third or fourth down came out, he was he was wheeled back onto the field. He was he was doing everything it took in terms of the Bengals to get them to that Super Bowl. You know, that, you could see how much it meant to them. And the best thing I like about this Bengals team in general is that they they don't give a shit. They really don't, do they? They go they'll they'll just they, it doesn't matter who you wheel out in front of them. They they're considered underdogs in every game, so why would they care what your name is? You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, no, nothing left to lose, is there? I mean, there's absolutely no. There's been no pressure on them since, uh, you know, just getting to the playoffs would, would have was considered a good season, wasn't it? Really, uh, I think you know they're still growing and progressing. So anything now is a bonus. Uh, and you, when you just get that freedom, it's just you just play better. I think that was a little bit 
in the second half against the Chiefs where they were just, you know, there's no pressure on now. I think they just yeah. have the freedom. I think it's a delicate to do, balance. To play, to play, it's quite, I think the tactics they took against the Chiefs, you know, playing that, you know, obviously the two deep safety they always do was just a three-man rush all the way through. And, yeah. Um, yeah, to play that, though, didn't they? But, but they that, yeah, because they had to do it. And it was like, well, well, this is all we've got left now, so we might as well give our all at it and see if it comes off. And I think that's been a little bit of their attitude all the way you know, through the playoffs and probably a bit before that. And, yeah, it's a little bit infectious as well. It's great fun to watch it, you know, you know the Who Day and all of that. It's, good. it's all enjoyable from that point of view. But I think absolutely no pressure on them now. Everything is on. Yeah, you all say, the pressure is on them now. All you, of that is. You say you they play with a lot of freedom, but I think there's a delicate balance of freedom. But also... In a good way, it sounds horrible, but in a good way, desperation. To me, when they were playing the Chiefs and the, and you saw Trey Hendrickson like, in agony on the sideline, but coming out, I think they think that, I mean, and they're right to think this, despite how much better they're getting, that they might never be in this situation again. You know, that's 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 how, how fickle NFL football is, let alone the playoffs, yeah. you know. They, may ne- they might never be here again. And I don't... and. Whilst that's easy to say, and that applies to all teams. Yet the teams on the really stacked teams, like the Rams and things, they think, well, well, we, you know, you, you you would be, you wouldn't, you wouldn't judge them if they thought we'll be here again next year. You know, we'll be in the mix again next year. The Bengals don't have that luxury, do they? And it feels like every single play they put it all on the line because they they just know there's there's no there might not be a tomorrow. I love that about these Bengals. I think they're absolutely phenomenal team to watch. I think that I would have fancied them if. If it would have been this weekend, just gone the Super Bowl, you know, one week, let it go. But I think the Rams, I think Sean McVay, I think two weeks to prepare. I think that could be the difference, really, because if you want to move on to the Rams board, yeah, like you say, they've got yeah. so much firepower, so much talent across the board. They can, they they can roll out whatever the hell they choose over these two weeks, and and they have the pieces to do it. Whereas maybe the Bengals have to play in a certain way, and because of the, because they have two weeks to practice for it, the Rams could have that little leg up. Does does it feel to you, Sai, um, sort of vindication for the Rams' approach of the past five years, which has certainly got people talking, you know, you know, to hell with the draft. We don't need our, our first-round picks. We'll assemble a, a team of Galacticos. We've not really seen that approach before, I don't think, or certainly not very often, in the NFL. Um, but uh, perhaps if, if they do get the, the, the cap, they capital off this weekend in front of the home fans, certainly um, uh, Sneed. Little Jerry Sneed, yeah. Oh no, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jerry Sneed. He plays for the Chiefs. No, the, I'm thinking of the Sneed. The, the oh, sorry, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't listening. I got caught yeah. listening there. Yeah, yeah Les Sneed. So, you're right. My bad. Les, Les Sneed. Les Sneed. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll feel that it was it was the right approach to, to take all along. Yeah, I, don't, I mean. <laughs> they said there's one more there's one more than one way to skin a cat isn't there and uh, we've discussed this at, at length you know they're not the only team to do this I mean they're doing it to the extreme don't get me wrong but they're not the only team to you know put a lot of faith in trades in you know big name free agency acquisitions the Saints have done it to some extent the Eagles have done it to some extent and both those teams have had success recently so it's not yeah. it just feels wrong because it always feels like the the, super, the, the window's going to shut on them and yet, if they keep doing this, whereby they have short contracts that they can either re-up or move on from, you know, it's not necessarily like that that's, that's the case as well, is it? As long as you maintain that quality level whereby you can bring guys in and they're so talented that they can learn to pick up an offense or a defense in short fashion, then it doesn't really matter that you've not got that kind of, like, draft 
influx of raw talent that you can build up in the Rams way because the Rams way is you're good, get out there and go and show people that you're better than the next person. So, yeah, I mean, they're doing it, aren't they? You can't, no one can sit here now and say that Les Snead is a bad GM or that the way the Rams do it is bad because they're always in the playoffs. They've been to the Super Bowl now twice in the last four years, is it? You know, they're, they're a team that you have to contend with and pound for pound, there's not, there's no other team in the NFL that has the same, you know, the same firepower, the same quality on the roster that they do. Uh, and Sam, I suppose one of the um, the key figures going into this Sunday will be quarterback Matthew Stafford out there in in the wilderness in Detroit for, for 10 years and always wanted to just play in that big game. You know, and, and here it is. And um, it's interesting, isn't it, with Stafford? Because I've, I've noticed that there's been a, a narrative sort of pumped out over Twitter this this past sort of week or so, you know, ah, oh, you all doubted him. You're all knobheads. We told you he was great. When you go back and look at the, the Rams season, you kind of go, well, no, because there were games that they lost that they shouldn't have lost. And when he's throwing pick sixes and costing them games, you have to <laughs> ask those questions about this quarterback. Um, but certainly since the, the playoffs have started, he's been fantastic. And, if that continues on Sunday, it's very difficult to see how the Rams don't win this game. But it, it, it feels that with Stafford, it it can turn. It, it can turn in a game. And, and maybe that, 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 that is just still out there, floating sort of out there in, in, in the, in the uh, hinterland of, of, of this game on Sunday. It is. And it'll be the narrative that everyone jumps on, whichever way it goes, you, you'll, they'll just sort of, Say that the game proves that the narrow, whichever narrative you want to go with, um, but it was it was kind of encapsulated in uh, in the game against the Niners. In fact, you know, it was throwing dimes all over the place. It was really hard to keep. There's just no way to control Cup and uh, OBJ at the minute. It's just such, you know, when you got Cup just taking up double coverage all the time, and he's having to leave OBJ for he to just, yep. like, take the easy catches, and he's enjoying the sunshine, isn't he? Like, it's so yep. difficult. But then at the same time, you know, and and he, was, you know, he was driving that team and making. You know, making plays and all this, but at the same time, he, he very nearly cost them everything with that ridiculous throw downfield into Dequisky Tarts uh, bread basket that someone else dropped straight out of it. Ward is still still bitter pill to swallow that one, isn't it? Well, I think how Dequisky feels about it. Um, you know, so you know that narrative nearly happened last week. So the, yeah, it could well well pop up on Sunday and. and uh, uh, what, like I say, there'll be a lot of people on Twitter absolutely almost just waiting for it to happen so they can uh, get on the keyboard and enjoy uh, laying into Matt Stafford, who's apparently been a garbage quarterback all his career rather than one of the best that's you know every in, in his age group at every you know, every turn since he was in the eye to a grasshopper basically, wasn't he? But uh, um, I think I'm just really I, both these quarterback stories are great stories, which everyone comes through a bit. But I, I'm really pleased to see Matt Stafford. I think. We're all liking it on this pod, don't we? And to see him finally get that shot at the big one, which I think his talent deserves. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that, you know, he serves sort of the, the, the problem that you know, a lot of number one pick overall uh, get is, you know, you get a team that season on season isn't really built for getting to the Super Bowl and can't figure out how to get to the Super Bowl. And you think we might be seeing this again down in Jacksonville, maybe with their number one pick this time. Where he's just he's gonna to have to serve about ten years there before he gets a chance to break free and, and have a real shot at something. We won't put it past him. So it's, it's great on that front for Stafford. But 
Um, he was brought into LA as a, an upgrade on Jared Goff, and I think he's certainly that. And I think he's someone who can, who you feel could win the Super Bowl for them, could win this <laughs> game on Sunday for them. Whereas Jared Goff, you felt he could lose this game on Sunday for them. And I think I think that's the difference between uh, the Rams of four years ago and the Rams, uh, you know, on Sunday night. So we'll, we'll we will see on that front. It's fa- it's a fascinating how everyone's going to just just fill the narrative as soon as it happens, but it's, it's, it it's teed up beautifully. It is, and I think the other thing, Si, that struck me, there's a freshness to, to this Super Bowl. There's a, a sense of we've not been here before. I think I read somewhere that since Baltimore versus the Giants back in 2000, every Super Bowl has had one of either Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, or the 49ers. So the, this sort of feels fresh, really, and, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. Oh, I think you're muted. You're muted. Sorry, hey. I was muted. I said, this is why I was feeling so gutted that the Bills didn't beat the Chiefs in the divisional mm. round because if they had done, we were guaranteed that Bills or Bengals in the in the Super Bowl. That, to me, makes instantly makes it fresh. You know, a team who's never won it, a team we haven't seen in, in that, at that level since the early 90s. You know, the, the fact that... The, and I didn't really give the Bengals a shot against the Chiefs. I just didn't. I just didn't think they'd be able to stand up to them. And the fact that they did, in fact, we've got the Bengals in the Super Bowl, instantly makes this more appealing from a neutral perspective. And 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 I'll say it as similar vibe on the NFC side of things. It was all the same names, but once the Cardinals went out of it, there was. I know the Rams have obviously done it in the past. I mean, we know that they went to the Super Bowl, got beat by the Patriots a few years ago, but they've not won it really for a while. After you know, it's been a time. It's nice to see a different team in there. This is a matchup that I think we've discussed it, but I think you know it's, it's a very balanced matchup, isn't it? We've got two high-powered, dangerous offences and two and, and one violent defence and one defence that's probably a little bit un, disrespected. So I think that there is a... Whilst I favour the Rams, it's hard to... It's hard not to... You know, you would not be surprised if the Bengals don't do this. And what a Cinderella story that would be considering where we all had the Bengals pegged at the beginning of the season. Lovely stuff. Right, lads. I want predictions and I want score predictions. I'll go first. Rams 34, Bengals 31. Oh, that's a good pick. That's a good pick because that, that's not fair. I'll go, I'll go Rams I'll go Rams 31, Bengals 28. I think it's a field goal okay. at the end. Yeah. Well, because of a field goal at the end. I'll go on saying we've got given him anywhere near enough credit on this podcast. Evan McPherson, Rookie of the Year, write that shit down. Come yeah, on, Sam. So, so I'll go that. Evan McPherson wins out of the death. But, uh... 3-0. 27-24. Bengals. <laughs> Lovely Why not? stuff. Lovely stuff. Right, well, wherever you folks are enjoying your Super Bowl, if you are at the Brotherhood in Manchester, we're probably not going to be seeing you, but, but that is still vaguely the plan. <laughs> and if not, then we'll see you if you're there at the Touring Tap down Oxford Road. But um, wherever, you're, wherever you're watching the Super Bowl, order them beers, order them chicken wings, get yourself some blue cheese sauce with that chick because that works beautifully with some buffalo wings uh, and that is it unless of course you you can't do dairy sam or you don't like cheese or or you're well, vegan my tip for wings is get the veggie cauliflower wings then you don't have to muck about with bones and all that and they taste great anyway yeah and they're cheaper that's the important yeah. bit fair play fair play right lovely stuff enjoy the super bowl folks wherever you are watching it uh, we will be back uh, next week to to take it all in and maybe some reflections on the 20 20- 21 season as a whole but for now my name is Rob Ward your old mate Wardy 
This has been Simon Carroll. Cheers, guys. This has been Sam Aykroyd. See you now. And we will speak to you very soon. Ta-da. Bye.